If you have not already done so, take a moment before you leave this service. Take a moment when you're walking out in the atrium. Look around and ask the question, what in the world would bring this number of people from so many backgrounds together in the same place? Jesus. That's exactly it. There is something unbelievably beautiful whenever you can walk into a place like a church on a Sunday and you see multiple generations, multiple ethnicities, multiple socioeconomic backgrounds, and the thing that is bringing everybody together is Jesus. And when you look in a world that is trying to divide everyone, remember, the church of Jesus Christ is one of the greatest blessings that this world can ever see. Praise the Lord for what we get a chance to be a part of. Amen? Amen. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon stated that there is an appointed time for everything. And from that statement, he gives 28 examples of perfect timing. He says there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a time to plant and there's a time to uproot what was planted. There's a time to build and there's also a time to tear down. It's a text that helps us understand the, the cycles of life. It helps us understand wisdom, helps us understand timing. The entire text is encouraging people to trust God's wisdom and trust God's timing in everything. I want you to hold that thought for just a moment. It's been said that God is never early, he's never late, he's right on time. And that should make sense to us. He's God, he's perfect. The idea of God being on time, it should make absolute sense to us. And it's not that there are not times that as believers we don't question his timing. It's not those moments along the way that we don't get anxious thinking that somehow he is late. But the testimony of Scripture and the collective testimony of God's people throughout history is God is always right on time. And we've experienced that ourselves. We've noticed that there are times in our life that whatever it is, God brought the right thing at the exact right moment, whether or not that was a job or a friendship or maybe a church family or an answer to prayer. It might have been God himself. It was absolute perfect timing. All you know is a void has been filled, a need has been met, a problem has been solved, and it happened at the exact right time. If you're like me, many times it's not until you look back in hindsight that you see exactly how perfect the timing of God really is. So as we think about waiting on God and learning the value of patience, it is a conversation that will absolutely lead us back into a discussion about God's timing as well as God's will. God will do what he desires. He is going to accomplish his purposes. But listen, it's going to be according to his timing. And what might seem like a coincidence to those who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, the timing of God is not coincidental. It is literally his perfect timing dressed up in street clothes. His timing is perfect. It is that on-time, never-late view of God that is challenged whenever we are waiting. 
Whenever you're waiting, it's like, God, I know it to be true up here, but in this moment, something doesn't seem right. Last, year, last week, we began a brand new series just entitled Wait, and we're learning the value of patience, and we're also learning how to, I, I guess, reshape, reform our beliefs and to see life from God's perspective. What is it that he is doing in us and through us, and how is God at work around us? So as we continue in this particular series, we're talking about one of the greatest challenges to people praying and waiting, and this is a key connection. If you're a believer and you're waiting, chances are it's in relation to prayer. You have brought a need before God and you're waiting. And that waiting could be a couple of days, it could be a couple of weeks, it could be 20, 30 years. Chances are there's a waiting season that is somehow involved in this. And one of the issues that we have to face is the hurdle of timing. Whenever we don't understand God's timing, it's hard to keep waiting and keep trusting and to stay steady in our prayers. And this is so important. We continue to do while we are waiting what God has called us to do all the time. We pray while we wait. We trust while we wait. We look for God's direction as we wait. We worship as we wait. It's, it's an issue is the fact that the longer we wait, though, the harder all of those things become. It just seems like, God, you're not answering. God, you're not moving. God, I don't see where all the pieces are going to come together. It is this issue of prayer and timing that causes a lot of people to grow anxious and weary and worn out in the process of waiting. We'll find delays bring about discouragement. So I don't know where you might be in a season of waiting. I don't know what you're waiting on God to do. I don't know how long you've been waiting. But if you've gotten discouraged, if you find yourself growing weary, if it feels as though your faith is taking a hit day by day, I got some good news for you today. God is never late. He sees you. He knows you. He understands exactly what you are walking through. And he has never been late for a divine appointment. I got some great news we're going to cover today in Scripture. So I invite you to go with me in your Bibles to the book of Daniel, chapter number 10. Daniel 10. My primary text is going to be in verses 10 through 14, but I won't even get a chance to read verses 10 through 14 until about halfway through the message. So don't worry about the fact that you're filling the blanks and all of those things are coming later on. I promise we'll get there within at least three, four hours, but it's, it's going to happen. Just, just hold on for that. But here's what's going to happen. We are going to have a word of prayer in just a moment. And then I am going to go through and I'm going to tell a part of the story and then I'm going to read a part of the story and then I'm going to share some truths as a part of this story. But in order for us to even understand what's happening in the story, we're going to actually go back into chapter 9. I'm going to kind of walk us into this so that by the time we hit verses 10 through 14, we're clicking on all cylinders, Lord willing. That's at least my plan. So we are speaking today on the subject of when God seems silent. Let's have a word of prayer. Let's get after this. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask today that your spirit guide us into truth. Lord God, would you encourage those 
who are growing discouraged in waiting. May they see your absolutely beautiful timing and your perfect plan. In Jesus' name, amen. So the story of Daniel chapter 10 is going to feel like something that came out of a movie. Uh, There are visions and dreams, there's angels and demons, spiritual battles impacting the course of nations, there's delayed answers to prayer as well as deep emotions. It's covering the gamut once we get into chapter 10. But here's the backstory that leads us into that. While he was reading the Hebrew scriptures, Daniel came across Jeremiah's writings about the desolation of Jerusalem as well as a time frame of 70 years. And that 70 years stood out in his mind, and he began to pray. It says in chapter 9, verse 3, it says, I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him in prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. In the following verses, Daniel, he praised God for his greatness and his love and his kindness and his faithfulness to God's people and for God keeping his covenants. And then in the same prayer, Daniel he recalled the sins of the nation of Israel, their rebellion against God, as well as their rejection of the prophets. Then he says in chapter 9, verses 7 and 8, he says, God, shame belongs to us and righteousness belongs to you. Then he finishes out this prayer by asking God, Would you incline your ear to hear and would you forgive your people of their sins in chapter 9, verses 18 and 19? But then catch this. While he was still speaking, Gabriel, the messenger angel of God, came to him and he said in chapter 9, verses 22 and 23, Old Daniel, I have now come forth to give you insight with understanding. At the beginning of your supplications, the command was issued, and I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. So give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. Isn't that awesome? Don't you love it whenever God answers while you are still praying? And by the way, that's exactly the time frame we're looking for now. Like, God, I'm praying, I'm looking for an answer right now. We love it when God is giving us the answer before we even get a chance to say amen. Like, God, would you give me a job? And the phone rings. God, would you heal my friend of this disease or of of this problem? And instantly, that person is healed. God, would you give me wisdom in this conversation I'm about to have? And in your mind, all of a sudden, the right words come into your mind, and they come out of your mouth in the moment. You're like, thank you, God, for what you just did. Or you're praying, God, would you give me a spouse, and your soulmate connects with you on eHarmony right then and there. (laughs) You saw what I just did. That's, That's a little 2023 dating humor for you. But whatever it is, we like immediate answers to prayer. We like things to happen now. Sometimes God does that. And sometimes he waits. So we have to keep reading the story because we get one moment of prayer where the answer comes while he's praying. But if you keep reading, that's not always the story. The further you read in the story, you'll find that Gabriel also shared some insight with Daniel about God's timing about the 70 weeks of desolation, and about what the future holds for Israel. And then chapter 9 comes to a close. But Daniel was wrestling with what he had just heard. 
How do I process this? So much so that when you go into chapter 10, Daniel is mourning and he's fasting and he's praying for 21 days. Saying, God, help me to understand what you just shared. And this is what happens in Daniel chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. It says, now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. Well, the men who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great dread fell on them, and they ran to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, yet no strength was left in me. For my natural color turned deathly paler, and I retained no strength. It's a scene that's very similar to what you would find in 2 Kings chapter 6. Elisha saw the angelic hosts that were surrounding Dothan, but his assistant couldn't see. And so he prays, God, would you open his eyes so that he can see what I can see? And God answered that and blessed him. It's a scene very similar to what we find over in Acts chapter 9, verse 7, when the companions of Saul, they saw the light, but they didn't see the risen Christ, just like what Saul did. They heard a voice, but they couldn't distinguish what they heard based on Acts chapter 22, verse 9. So I'm going to pause here for just a moment. Um, there are certain times when you're teaching or going through a text that it brings up a topic that a church might not get a chance to hear perspective on for two more years. And this is one of those moments. There is this angelic encounter with a person. So I just want to pause here for a moment. When the Bible describes people coming into the presence of angels, the description is almost always the same. They are afraid. They fall to their knees. Physical strength leaves their body. And so many times they are overwhelmed emotionally with what just happened. Now, I bring that up because sometimes you will read a book or you will hear somebody teach, and they will describe an angelic encounter that they had. And it has none of those pieces involved. It almost sounds as though their neighbor walked next door with a pound cake and a gallon of sweet tea. It's just like, oh, it was this beautiful encounter. We just sat down and we talked and we fellowshiped a little while. And it, it just seems different. There's, there's no terror. There's no awe. There's no falling to their knees. There's no energy leaving their body. And sometimes they will defend it and they will say something like this. God has not given us the spirit of fear. And they're right. God has not. But there is a difference between living in a state of fear and being overwhelmed in the moment with terror or awe. And the reason I bring this up is you got to remember who we're talking about. This is Daniel. Daniel. Do you remember your Sunday school lessons? Daniel and the lions then. The same guy who is bold when being put into a den filled with hungry lions drops on all four in shaking and terror with an angelic encounter. I bring it up for this reason. When someone's unverified story has very little resemblance to the same events in Scripture, my hooey detector goes up. I would encourage your hooey detector to go up at that moment as well. What you see in life you measure it against what the word says. 
If it doesn't look like this, be cautious, be cautious, be cautious. Let it align with the word. Now, believe it or not, all of that leads into our primary text. So if you would, now look with me, Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 through 14. Let's read that text. Then behold, a hand touched me, talking about this angelic encounter, and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said to me, old Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I'm about to tell you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel. For from the first day you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the later days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. Now remember how we got here. Daniel had been reading about the desolation of Jerusalem, the 70 years, and he was so overwhelmed, he was praying for understanding. And the first time he began to pray, there was an immediate answer that came to him. But now when the answer came, he has more concern. He had more, more need to find out more. And he starts praying and he is going in in sackcloth and ashes and in fasting. And 21 days have now passed between the first answer to prayer and when he started praying the second time and now this encounter comes whenever you got an answer immediately the first time and there's a 21 day delay the second time that's where you begin to say God are you still there did you hear me God, did I pray right? Did, did I do this the, the right way uh, God are you upset with me in this moment this is a story that gives us a glimpse as to what's happening in the, in the heavenly realms in relation to our prayers and God's answer. So here's my big truth that I want us to unpack for the rest of this message. Here it is. Even when God seems late, he's still loving you well. Even when God seems late, he's still loving you well. What in the world does that mean? How could a story about delayed prayers give reassurance of God's love as well as of God's timing? That's what we're going to unpack for the rest of our time. Here's our first statement to kind of pull this out. You can have confidence. God sees you favorably in Christ, and he knows where you are. You can have confidence. If you're in a waiting period, you can have confidence. God sees you favorably as a child of God, and he knows where you are. Now, this story, it takes place on the banks of the Tigris River, based upon chapter 10, verse 4. God knew exactly where Daniel was, and he sent an angel to that exact location. Now, one of the reasons I bring that up, and one of the reasons that should bring confidence when we're waiting on God is because of the fact God's never lost one of his kids. You might think God doesn't know where you are and what you're going through. He sees you. He knows you. He understands exactly where you are. Now, he's never lost one of his kids. That same might not be able to be said for all of us. But here's the thing. 
When the hand of the angel touched Daniel, in verse number 10, Daniel says, it set me trembling on my hands and knees. He's terrified. He drops to the ground. And after 21 days of prayer and fasting and prolonged silence, I'm sure there is weakness and confusion and just overwhelmed with what's going on. It's human nature for us to be more confident when things are going as planned and less confident when things are not going as planned. So it's in the periods of silence, though, that Satan begins to play tricks on our brain. He sends lies our direction. He will make you doubt your worth and your value before God. He will begin to make you doubt, does God see? Does God know? Does God care? Is God even there? He will make you doubt the issues of the basics of God's promises and God's provision. As I said last week, the enemy will use the silence to fill our mind with lies. We must use the silence to renew our minds with truth. Have you ever considered the fact that maybe he gives periods of silence for us to process the truths that he just gave us? On any given Sunday, I will have somebody email me, talk to me after the service, just share with me. They said, Paul, like midway through the service, I wanted to raise my hand as you were preaching and say, could you just stop and let me write down everything that you've already just described? And apparently, that's an issue. I've got a reputation for preaching fast and giving a lot of information. At least that's what I've heard. So here's the thing. When truth is coming at you fast, isn't it nice to hit the pause button and let it all begin to sink in, to let it process, to get your mind around it? Is it at least possible that when God seems silent, he's saying, think about what I just gave you? You're not ready for the next piece yet. Process what I gave you. And we often think we're ready. We're like, God, I got it. I even ate many. He's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You got like 10% of the 100 that I'm given. Sit with that a little bit longer. And then we sit with it, and all of a sudden, another piece or two clicks, and we're like, God, I got it. Like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Just sit with it a little bit longer. Is it at least possible that God allows periods of silence for us to process the truths that he has just given? Now, look back at what this story tells us. In verse 11, it says, Old Daniel, man of high esteem, if you were to write off to the side, chapter 9, verse 23, you will find that is exactly the same way he was addressed when he prayed the first time. The literal translation is man of preciousness. His words are, Daniel, man of preciousness, man of high esteem. When you're weary and you're worn out, Sometimes an encouraging word goes a really, really long way. Now let this truth sink in. When God answered him immediately, Daniel was called highly esteemed of God. When the answer took 21 days to come, Daniel was called highly esteemed of God. The delay did not change God's view of Daniel, but personalize it. The delay can often change our view of God. We have to know 
the truth before we pray and as we pray and after we pray. As followers of Jesus Christ, here's the truth. You are highly esteemed of God. You are precious in the eyes of God. You are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. It all goes back to your identity in Christ. You are loved. You are righteous and holy. You are a child of God. You are encouraged as a follower of Jesus Christ to come before God and say, Abba, Daddy, Father. That's how personal he wants it to be. Because of who we are in Christ, we're told you can boldly approach the throne of grace. You can have confidence as you pray he sees you favorably in Christ and it does not change based on how long it takes for him to answer that's how he sees you here's the next one you can stay calm because God has heard your prayers and he honors those who humble themselves I don't know if you've ever noticed videos or seen pictures of what takes place on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. But there are numbers that are flashing and bells that are sounding and people are yelling and deals are being opened and closed in split seconds. It just seems like chaos everywhere. Every time I see one of those pictures or a video, it just gets me anxious inside just watching that. I'm like, I have no idea how people know what they're doing in that moment. Okay, here's the thing. Some people feel that way whenever they're praying. It's all about how do I get God's attention and keep God's attention and get an immediate answer. How do I close the deal fast? So in their mind, when God is not answering as quickly, they're like, hey, God, right here, right here, right here. Please, look at me. Look at me. Here's what's going on. I need you to answer. It's right now. God, I think you're late. God, we got to close the deal. It's in a matter of split seconds. It's like there is this panic. Here it is. Prayer should not be an exercise in panic. Your heavenly father's not going anywhere. He sees you. He knows you. You don't have to jump up and down to get his attention. If he chooses to delay the answer, you can stay calm. He has heard your prayers, and he honors those who humble themselves before him. In verse number 12, it says, Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. From the first day, your words were heard. From the first day, your words were heard. As you set your heart on understanding and as you humbled yourself before God, on the first day, your words were heard. When our girls were little, many times they would want to get mine or Bria's attention, and so many times they wanted to get our attention whenever we were talking to somebody else. And so we wanted to teach them about respect and about patience and about not interrupting when a conversation was happening. So what we do, (laughs) amen. So what we would do is at home as a part of our training, we would say, Girls, if you ever want to get our attention, if it's an emergency, let us know it's an emergency. But if you're coming and you want our attention, then we're simply going to put our hand on your head or we'll put our hand on your shoulder. It's to let you know we know that you're there. We're not ignoring you. We'll get with you in just a second. This text, it's almost like God the Father 
puts his hand on the shoulder of Daniel, and he says, Daniel, I know where you are. I'm not ignoring you. I've heard you from the very beginning. I'll answer as the time is right. Next piece. You should be aware there's a spiritual battle being fought, and God is always victorious. If God heard Daniel from day one, why did it take 21 days for the message to arrive? It tells us in verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. All right, now what in the world just happened there? This, this seems like a, my wires are getting crossed in this story. This is a glimpse of what is taking place, a spiritual battle that is happening in the heavenlies in relation to our prayers and God's answer. Uh, God's response to Daniel was immediate when it comes to the intention. But there's a spiritual conflict that delayed that answer. Verse 13 says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood the angel that was sent to Daniel. Now, the same text, it tells us that Michael is one of the chief princes. And then if you go into verse 21, it says he is the prince of Israel. You have the prince of Persia. You have the prince of Israel. It seems as though these princes would be angelic beings, those who have continued to stay, uh, I guess, loyal to God or continue to call angels. Those who rebelled against God are now called demons throughout the Old Testament. It seems as though these are angelic beings and they have certain control over certain areas. So the text is telling us the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding the message that was being sent to Daniel by God. In other words, this must have been a demon. It must have been one who is in opposition to the will of God. But the story tells us that Michael, also referred to as the warring angel of God in Daniel, in Jude, and in Revelation, came to his aid in order to free him up and to bring the message in. It's passages like this that help us understand when you're praying, there's a battle that is happening around you. Listen to the text from the, the New Testament. Romans 15.30 says, Now I urge you, brethren, strive together with me in your prayers. Strive, it means agonize. There's a part of our praying that is going to be work. It's agonizing. Uh, Ephesians 6, 11 and 12, it says, Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And it goes on to say, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities. Hold on just a moment. Did it not just say our struggle is not flesh and blood? Now, we are willing to scrap with the drop of a hat. We're going to supply the hat when it comes to a person. And yet the text tells us that's not where your fight's at. It tells, tells us your struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, we do not walk in the flesh or we war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but are divinely powerful for destroying fortresses. Here's the thing. Could it be that our prayer lives are anemic 
Because we're treating prayer like a Disney vacation and not like a war that is being waged in the heavenlies. Could it be that we're asleep when we're supposed to be in battle in prayer? Could it be that we're picking up self-help books when he says pick up your weapons that are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses? When we're waiting in prayer sometimes, we got to stop and say, this is not just about the moment right now. This is about what God is doing. There's a battle between heaven and hell. This is about good and evil. It's about the will of God being lived out in my life. And I have a real enemy out there who does not want to see the full glory of God represented here. And I'm going to pray like I'm in a battle. We can't be lackadaisical in our prayers. When we act as though, no big deal, I'm just going to pray a little bit, we are not recognizing the full extent of what's happening in Scripture. When we begin to see what's happening in the heavenly realms, it should change the way we approach our prayers. And by the way, if you're wondering how in the world could a demon delay the activity of God for 21 days. Just know this. God is all-powerful. And he allows there to be certain times of obstruction and rebellion. But right off to the side, Job chapter 1 verse 12 and Job chapter 2 verse 6. And you will see Satan is never allowed to go beyond the boundary that our God has set. Even in the battle, there's a time that's happening where he's training us in that battle. Here's the last piece. You can rest assured, even in God's delays, he's never late. Timing makes us anxious because our lives are ruled by schedules and calendars and appointments and time blocks. But God operates outside of time and space. He works from eternity, and he is working for eternity. So even after a 21-day delay, look at what it says in verse 14. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen, future. To your people in the latter days, future. For the vision pertains to days yet, future. God wasn't late. The answer that he was waiting for was still coming in the future. Even when God seems late, he's still loving you well. If the answer has not yet come, it's because the answer is not yet needed. If God seems silent in the moment, thank him for the silence and the opportunity to renew your mind in the truths he's already shared. If the answer seems delayed, remember, there's a spiritual battle that is taking place. Pray like you're in a battle. If God chooses to bless you with silence, remember, his opinion of you has not changed. And finally, he loves you as much in the silence of the meantime as he does in the joy of answered prayer. Trust him. Trust him, trust him, trust him. Even when God seems late, 
he's still loving you well. As I said from the very beginning, I, I don't know what you are waiting on God for today, but I do know that all of us will have a place in our lives where we're having to wait. You might be at a place that you feel like you're about to throw in the towel. Use this morning as God's love letter to you where he's saying, no, trust me longer. Keep trusting. Remember, it's in these periods of waiting that he is better preparing us for his will on the other side. He's working in us and through us and around us. Nothing will interfere with the will of God. He will do exactly as he desires, but it's going to happen according to his timing. Trust him. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to bow with me for just a moment. We'll have some of our pastors coming forward. We're also going to have our band and some of our worship singers coming as well. But this is a time between you and God. It might be that this morning you're in a place that you're just saying, God, I'm tired and I'm worn out and I don't know what the next step needs to be. But it seems like you're saying, keep waiting and trust me. I cannot encourage you enough to continue, renew this willingness to trust. Renew this desire to sit at the feet of Jesus and trust him. It might be that you've been at this so long that you're, you're like, I don't even know where to pray anymore. And maybe one of our pastors or pastor's wives can pray with you. It, it might be that you have been asking God for healing in your life. And the more you pray, it seems like the worse things get. Don't stop praying. Don't stop trusting. Let God do what he's going to do. There is something he's doing in the meantime that is preparing you for his answer on the other side. You might have been praying for a family member or a friend. Maybe it's a wayward child and it seems like you keep praying and praying and they seem to be running full speed in a different direction away from what it looks like to have a walk with Jesus. And you're just getting upset and mad. You're like, God, I don't know why I keep praying, but it seems like you keep going the opposite direction. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Keep worshiping. His delays are not his denials. In the delays, things get discouraging. But just know, even when God seems late, he's loving you well in this moment. So we're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to have a final song of invitation. The altar is going to be open. I, I, last, maybe two weeks ago, Pastor Ken gave a statement, and it stuck in my mind. He said, altars are a place where things come to die. And it might be today that you're like, God, I'm going to ask that you put my fear to death this morning, my anxiousness to death this morning. I'm going to lay it before you. God, do your work in me. Wherever God is leading, I'm going to ask you if you would, 
respond to him. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, would you so graciously, mercifully, just wrap up your sons and daughters right now in this room. And God, may your spirit minister deeply. Lord, for each person in the place that they're waiting right now, may the spirit bring to mind exactly what they need to hear from this message to give them the courage, the hope to keep on going forward with you. Lord, would you do in this place what only you can do? We're going to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we sing? The altar is open. Respond as the Spirit of God leads you.